Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Bible Baptist Church. Tonight is the anniversary of Bible Baptist Church. So 45 years ago, on this very night, uh, Bible Baptist Church began. So let me give you a little history lesson real quick to begin. Uh, Pastor Mike Aylstock and his wife Betty came to St. Thomas to start the church. Uh, Pastor Aylstock was uh, a man from the United States, married a Canadian, and they came here and they served here for a number of years, started the church and saw the church grow and, and uh, began things. And then in 1988, uh, Pastor Stone and Ruthie came. Pastor Stone, a Canadian who married an American, all right? So you see a trend developing here, right? And so Pastor Stone was uh, serving down at Cleveland Baptist Church, uh, getting uh, his experience in the ministry down there. And so he and Ruthie came here. In 1988, I think there was 13 voting members, if I remember correctly, uh, at that meeting that voted him in uh, as pastor and saw the church grow and pastor and Ruthie. Uh, pastor was a senior pastor here for 30 years, still on staff here, but for 30 years led our church uh, through the building program and through uh, the purchase of the property on Highbury and Bearing Precious Seed and now travels for Bearing Precious Seed and we all know that. And then uh, just a few years ago, Pastor Yeomans took over and he is an American who married a Canadian, all right? And so that's still a trend, uh, a continuing trend here. But really, if you think about that, in the history of this church uh, for 45 years, only three pastors. That's unheard of. And uh, even Pastor Yeoman's just here now for the last couple of years. So even for that time, just two pastors. And that is a that speaks of the faithfulness of the men of God that came here. But it also speaks of the faithfulness of a church. A church and a pastor is a relationship, right? So every relationship is two-way. And so it takes a faithful man and a faithful church to have a faithful ministry. And so uh, though that, uh, that stat of just three pastors in all those years is a tribute to you as well. And so we celebrate uh, tonight uh, not just the men of God who've come our way and uh, not really just the membership and the people of Bible Baptist Church, but the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so we celebrate him tonight. And so we're thankful that you've come for our homecoming services. And it's been a great time already. And we're going to close it off tonight with one more message. Looking forward to that. Just one real quick announcement to let you know about this Sunday coming up. We are going to have a trunk or treat program after the morning service. And if you've ever been a part of that, we just go out in the parking lot. We open up our trunk and we have the kids come by and grab some candy from us. So it's a good time if you can come. Prepare with some treats for them. That would be great. Uh, kids are going to come and have costume on, and they'll come around and uh, do that as part of the church uh, just after the service on uh, this Sunday morning. And we'll hope you'll take advantage and get something this week and be a, a, a blessing to our kids and give them lots of sugar and lots of candy and send them home to their parents. All right, so that's what we're going to do as a church. Right. So we're excited about what's going on tonight. Again, we have some music for you, and uh, the, the preaching of God's Word is always the focus here. So thank you so much for coming tonight, and enjoy the music here as we begin. And I want to welcome you again tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to start off with our theme song for the conference. And so maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, we're getting tired of hearing this song. So here's the challenge. You don't have to just listen. You can sing along, all right? And so we're going to sing this song again. Think about the words and think about the goodness of our God as we sing this evening. Fails me, 
us. I invite you to stand together now. We want to begin our service. Let's all stand together as we worship together. We're going to sing this first song. You know, Pastor Michelle, I talked about the fact that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And there's something so powerful in the name of Jesus. And so we want to sing this first song. It's called Glory to His Name. So let's lift up our voices and sing together Glory to His Name. cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied, glory to His name, glory to His name, glory to His name, there to my heart was the blood applied, glory to His name. So wondrously saved from sin, Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he took me in, glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied, glory to fountain that saves from sin. I am so glad I have entered in. There Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to Sing that last verse together. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood of things that's so special about singing together as a church family with believers praise to our savior is it's a real picture of what heaven is going to be like and so this next song talks about that that one day we'll be face to face with our savior and so think about these words let's sing it together there is coming a day what a day that will be there is coming a day when no heartache shall come no more clouds in the sky no more tears to dim the eye, all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burden. 
shall see when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for singing with us tonight. What a wonderful day that's going to be when we see Jesus again. I'm so excited about that. I hope you are as well. Uh, he is our Savior, and He is our friend. And uh, we learned last night, He is our Father. And honestly, He's been so, so good. And uh, we could stand, spend all kinds of time speaking of the Lord's goodness to us. And I hope that you do that on a regular basis. Praise the name of the Lord on a regular basis and what he has done for us. It's been such a privilege to have uh, Pastor Michelle here this week, and I hope you've enjoyed him and uh, been challenged by him. And uh, we don't necessarily want you to uh, preach well to us. We want, you want you, we want you to challenge us. And so I hope he's done that this week, and I hope he's done that for you. And uh, he's challenged me. I've enjoyed hearing him preach the word of God. I've enjoyed spending some time with him, getting to know him a little bit better. Uh, we've got a, a vague history together, and uh, so it's been good to uh, kind of catch up a little bit and learning some more about him. And uh, he has one more message prepared for us tonight, but just before he comes, um, I want to ask you something. Would you please pray for Pastor Michelle, and would you pray for Cross Point Baptist Church? God is doing some amazing things there, and we're extremely grateful from the outside looking in. We're extremely grateful for what God is doing there, but anytime God works, Satan works, and Satan begins to attack. So I want you to encourage you to pray for him tonight as he preaches God's word, but even as he leaves here tomorrow morning, that God would give him safety on his way home, and that God would use he and his family and Cross Point Baptist Church to do something great. Uh, that would be uh, a benefit not only to us, but to them, and so we want you to pray for the Michelle family and Cross Point Baptist Church. Just before he comes this evening, our trio is going to again sing, uh, God's Been Good. I've had more gains than losses, and I've known 
times I wouldn't change them if I could through it all through it all God's been What a wonderful theme, God's goodness. How many of you can identify with that theme tonight and say, I thank the Lord for his goodness in my life. I hope you can. And maybe that song will just resonate in your heart and mind throughout the rest of this evening and this week. It's been great to be able to be with you. And I want to thank you for your hospitality and, and just your goodness shown towards us. We are humbled to be able to be used in some way to be able to minister here this week. And I'm excited to get home, but I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, these few days together. I want to thank you for praying for our church and for our family. Uh, if you're thinking about praying for our church, and I hope you are, pray for the members of our church. We are in a unique area and situation where we do have a lot of government workers in our church. And as you know, there's been a lot of different mandates that have been thrown around throughout these last few months. And uh, a lot of them are being affected by a very personal choice that they have made. And there's a lot of them that are set to, I think it's lose their job this week, if not next week. And so there's a lot of wrestling going on in the hearts and minds of some people over personal choices. And I know they would appreciate your prayers, especially, effect, especially affecting our area. Uh, with government workers. I, I thoroughly enjoyed serving alongside of many of you today in the uh, Bearing Precious Seed ministry. That was wonderful. I, I, I told someone tonight, if I lived around here, I'd be there like every day. You'd be out to say, what are you doing here again? I loved it. Kyle, when we got out, he was like, you know, that was fun. I said, yeah, it was. It was a, it was a great deal of fun. And just to be able to sit with people and, and you're doing mindless counting. I think we are all counting today, right? Up to 10, right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 ban them, ban them. After a while, you just get to talking and you don't even think about it. I think I had some that were 14, 11. I didn't care at a certain point. So you know what? As long as they're getting out there, that's all I cared about. So I was just banding them up and talking. No, I was careful. Okay, I was careful. And uh, it was just great to be able to sit with some of those of a previous generation to me and to be able to sit and listen to life stories and to be able to glean from them. And, and we talked about so many different things. We were talking about marriages and uh, a lifetime together, even uh, walking through difficulties uh, with a spouse. Even I was talking with one gentleman, his, his wife passed away, but uh, talking basically of God's goodness, even through all those different things. And I'm sitting there listening to this and just greatly encouraged by that to hear personal testimonies. And I, I was just sitting there, and I'm just absorbing this. I'm like, this is great. How often do you get to just sit with some folks like that and then just to learn from them and to grow from their experiences? I want to I encourage you, if you haven't been out there, there's some great folks there that you're going to learn from. And just sitting around and just talking. And what, a, what better opportunity to do this with than in a service opportunity, right? You're not just sitting around with coffee, even though 
There was coffee and donuts. I mean, we had more donuts than we could even uh, down. I think there was three left if you want to stop by there after. They're still in the box. I think they're still good. Um, but it was just a great time together, so thank you for that. I want to thank especially everybody for moving up a row. I noticed this. This is great. Wow, I was giving them enough of a, a rousing today about this, and they did it <laughs> up a little closer to the front. The question is, will it stay like this? I'm going to have to double check. I'll, I'll watch the live stream later on and see if you're still there. No, but that, that's great. I, I feel like there's a, a connection that our church has with your church, and you may not even know about this. And I was just reminded of this as Brother Holland was giving a little bit of the history. Mike Elstock, right? Here. His brother, Sam Elstock, was the one who started our church in Ottawa back in the late 80s. He was up there just for a short time, and the Lord called him back to the States. It was right after him. He was up there, I think, for just under a year's time, and he had to transition back, after which Brother George Covey uh, took over during that time and really got that church established and, and recognized it as an official thing. But it was Sam Elstock, Elstock that started the group of people gathering together in a, in a school. I believe it was Fallingbrook School. And so we have this connection that you didn't even know about, and uh, it's actually pretty neat how the Lord used two different men at two different times in two different places, and guess what? We're still gathering as a church, and so are you. And so it's great to be able to review history and then to be able to stop and think 45 years ago. It was today, you said, right? Today. Uh, that's just a wonderful thing. So uh, thank you for being involved in each of the services. Uh, Acts chapter 20, as we turn there this evening, Acts chapter number 20. Acts 20, we're looking at this thought tonight of committed to finishing well. Committed to finishing well. Yesterday, I started off the message by saying, how many of you have, made all, you have always made the right choice in life and no hands went up? So I thought, okay, thank you, Lord, for showing me the message that I needed to bring to those who aren't making always the right decisions. I was in there too, all right? I'm including myself in that. So tonight, I want to know this. How many of you say... I have finished my course and I have done everything that the Lord has told me to do. There is nothing else in life that I have yet to do for the Lord. Anybody like that? Oh, see, the Lord led me to another passage tonight that applies to everybody here. And so this is great. I'm glad we can all identify with this. Committed to finishing well. Before we read any of these verses together, let me give you a little bit of the background here. Uh, 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 the book of Acts is a great book. We were able to preach through this uh, about a year and a half ago with our church family, and we made it through the whole book of Acts, but what a story Acts is. Just to be able to retrace the life and the, the, the journeys of, of mainly Paul, but some other disciples in there. But the majority of the Acts chapter number 20 is dedicated to the ministry and travels of Paul as he's wrapping up ministry in some areas such as Macedonia or Asia and Troas, and he knows that the time of his freedom of ministering is really drawing to a close. He can see th some things adding up. He, he has been through some things already. So he's trying to really end up in Jerusalem, and he kind of knows he's going to be going there. And these final chapters are the record of that progression towards Jerusalem, and we know eventually his arrest there and the final transfer to Rome. So Paul really had no idea when he would ever be back through some of these areas and these parts of these lands again. So he's using some of these times very purposefully to be very clear to some Christians that he may never be back. 
They knew the uproars and the, the opposition against the Gospel. So it was always a possibility that something might happen where Paul may never see the light of day again. Knowing that these were possibilities, if you were Paul, what would you have done? Would you go into hiding? Maybe in some remote area. Or would you have continued to preach? Let me give you just a sneak peek of what Paul wanted to do. And really, this sets the whole tone of what we're going to be ending up at. Verse 24. This is really what his analysis of it was. Acts 20, verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. There it is summed up. All right, we're going to eventually end up there, but I gave you a sneak peek. All right, but Paul wanted to finish well. If you're a Christian here tonight, how many of you would say, I want to finish well? And every hand goes up. Even though you're not raising it, I know it's in your heart. All right, that is nothing standing in his way. He wanted the Lord. He wanted to follow the Lord wholeheartedly and unreservedly. Now, does that mean the way ahead was just going to be smooth and clear? No, he, he knew there was still hurdles ahead. He knew there were still difficulties, that things might get uncomfortable. But it didn't mean that he, what, it, what it did mean is he wasn't going to be distracted. All of these things that were going to be uh, by the wayside, he was going to keep them there and he's going to stay focused on what the Lord had for him to do. Paul's ministry for the day ahead had focus. And I pray that we as churches and believers could keep our focus. Are there any things that we're facing in our world today that would seek to get us distracted? That's a redundant question, right? There are many things that would seek to get our attention away from what Paul was saying here in verse number 24. This ministry of the Gospel that the Lord has entrusted to him. He says, I don't want to be distracted from that. There are things even today that would seek to distract us. But in all the things that people are getting distracted with, maybe that you're seeing today, I've got to ask you, is it leaving them with joy? Is what they find in the world leaving people with a sense of satisfaction? You think of the cares of this world that so many are drawn away to. Think of what this world has that people are getting themselves involved in. Think of even financial things, right? What about the financial markets of the world? Anyone like to follow the financial markets? It's, a, it's an exciting thing because what? It changes every day, right? Things lose value. Things gain value. And it's all over the map. But does that, do give, does that give people a sense of stability and peace? Well, you, you see people get overwhelmed with that. Oh, I've been watching my portfolio and it's all it's this and that's all that. It doesn't give them peace or security. Think of the health focus that's consuming far too many people today, even to the point of overwhelming them with fear. Get involved in politics. Think of the political situations that are unstable as ever. The increasing immorality of society that's everywhere. The increasing epidemic of addictions of all kinds as people try and seek to find solutions to what they're dealing with within their heart. And unfortunately, 
failing marriages on the rise, mental health epidemics, all of these things that are pulling people away from truth. At the same time, some are realizing, and I pray you are tonight, that there's more to life than all of those other things that may seek to distract us. There's got to be more to life than those unstable things. And I do know this, God is still at work today in all of the confusion that we are facing. Some may think, where is God working? Just look for His hand. He is at work. And He is speaking to the hearts of man and trying to show them the better way. There is a way of joy and peace. And we know this. It's only found in Him. Paul's time was not much different I'm sure there were things in society that probably aren't even mentioned in Scripture that maybe we could find in the history books that we could look back at and say, boy, that must have made that culture a very difficult time to be in. Problems have always been there, but they've always been in different forms. Sin has always been the issue. Spiritual battles have always been raging, yet the answer has always been the same. It's Jesus, and just as Paul said here in verse 24, it's the Gospel of the grace of God. The plan of salvation and that God offers it to any man. And that's what Paul wanted to stay focused on and faithful with. He says, I've been entrusted with this and I want to do this till the very end. I'm committed to finishing well. So let's look at this focus that Paul is saying here in Acts 20. And as we do, let maybe if you're taking notes, write this down. There is Paul's commitment to gathering together. You say, what's he so committed to? Well, he shows us here in his actions what he's committed to. He had a commitment to gathering together. If we were to read earlier, we would see that there was opposition he was facing. He was in his travels and in his journeys, and he's finally arriving at Troas for just one week. And if you know that you never would pass by an area again, and if you were there just for one limited time, what would you do with the time that you had? Guess what he did? He went to church. (laughs) He attends a church service. Look at verse 7. Acts 20, verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now I feel kind of like Paul. I'm leaving tomorrow. And uh, I find myself in a church service. How do you like that last little part? Were you following along as I was reading? What time is it? I don't even know what time it is, right? Until midnight, he continued his speech. And guess what? He's the guest preacher. What do you say against a guest preacher? Are you going to get out and walk out on me? You can do that to your preacher when he's preaching too long. Go, I got the roast in the oven. I got to go. You're not going to walk out on me, are you? Well, here he is, the guest preacher at Troas Baptist Church. And there's a couple of interesting things to note. Notice it was the first day of the week. The disciples were used to using this day. It was the very beginning of the church's practice, and they were really gathering together to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And obviously, any time that we gather together on a Sunday, that's what we're doing. We're celebrating our risen Lord. So they're gathered together for an evening service of all things, and the simple fact that Sunday was not considered to be the Sabbath day or anything, so that was probably a time that they were busy about doing different things, and probably busy in working in business, and maybe some even in in slavery. I don't know what they had to fulfill beginning that day, but they came together at the end of that day. 
And our society is slowly conforming to that too. We know Sunday is not really a day that is always set aside for gathering together for church. Now, we believe it should be. But I remember growing up and listening to the radio when they started to announce that some stores could be open on Sunday. Any of you remember that? And they, they passed this and had these different changes and all that kind of stuff. My kids are growing up in a day and age where, hey, the things are always open that you need. But even in their context, they still found the time and they placed the priority on gathering together. That is what the priority of the church is anyways. The gathering together of believers. I, I, I happen to think that together is in, a, in the same place. In the same place. It doesn't matter whether we're ever allowed to gather indoors. I know your church, as of this past Sunday, it was the first time you were in here, but you could gather together under a tent on a property. We did gathering together in a parking lot, and we've done many different gathering togethers, but my emphasis to our church has always been, let's be together as much as we can, and there's something different about it. I know many churches from March till June of last year, we did solely online, and that was different. We had to pre-record our things. We weren't able to do live at first. And so I went in on Saturdays and we pre-recorded things and then showed them on like they were live. And our whole church thought I was live and I wasn't lying to them. It was just a way that we could uh, do this. But they were sitting at home and guess what I had to do with my family too? We had to sit on the couch and I had to watch me. I, I hate cameras. I wish I could tell them to turn those off. I don't like being on camera. It's the last thing I'd want to do. But I had to sit there for two months and watch me. And as I sat there, I thought, you know what? It was meeting a need in the moment when we really didn't know what was going on. But I said to myself over and over, this is not church. We got our kids dressed up every Sunday morning. We were in our Sunday clothes. Sitting on a couch alone. That was weird. To me, in my mind, it's not biblical. I think there's something to be together. There's something different when someone's speaking like this to you rather than on a screen when you can mute him, right? Now, there's probably times you wish you had that same remote in the pew, right? There's something different about it. You're confronted with it when you're here. You can't get away from it. So here we are gathering together in the book of Acts, Acts 20, and they're committed to it. They're gathering together at an evening hour after probably a very busy day. Maybe you can identify that with that right now, the first day of the week. But also, what did they do? They had the Lord's Supper. The term breaking of bread often referred to this observation of the Lord's Supper, and they were continuing to do this. And by the way, we still continue to do this as a church family. It's probably one of the better things that we can do when we are together. It's hard to do it over a screen. When you're together, you can share in this uh, Last Supper together in the Lord's Supper. We're actually doing it as a church this Sunday evening. And we use that time as a very special time to remember the Lord's death until He comes. So by observing this regular time, they didn't forget it. It's an effective way to do something is keeping it always in front of you, always in front of you, always in front of you. 2,000 years, guess what? It's still in front of you. It's still in front of you. And guess what we haven't forgotten? That Jesus died for us. They were gathering together. They observed the Lord's Supper. Then what were they doing? They were preaching the Scriptures. 
Paul took the time to instruct them in the Scriptures, especially the ones that pointed to the Messiah, the foretelling of this Messiah and His death, and the proof of His resurrection. Now that takes some time to unfold that whole story. And he took some time. The Bible says he not only preached till midnight, but look at verse number 11. It says this, and he talked a long while, even till the break of day. So he departed. He talked all night. Not just till midnight. Which would explain what happened at midnight. Look back to verse number 8. And there were many lights in the upper chamber when they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus. Being fallen into a deep sleep. You always wonder why preachers you know, bug people about this, right? It's because it's been happening for 2,000 years. When someone gets up and starts preaching... And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with a sleep and fell down from the third loft. That happened, up to you, it happened to you. Would you be dead? Third floor. And verse 9, this is quite a statement, and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. This is quite a story. The last time I preached through this verse, I had a lady in the front row fall over, (laughs) fall out of her chair, and she was in medical distress. I'm not kidding. I was reading the verses on Eutychus saying he fell down. And they get to the line and was taken up dead and she fell into the front row. I was like, man, that's some powerful preaching right there. (laughs) It's still a point of laughter for our church family. It wasn't in the moment. We paused the service. We all bowed our heads while we had some ushers help and they carried her to the back. Thankfully, she wasn't dead. Um, she had some blood sugar problems that made her look dead. It was a little concerning in the moment. I, I'm glad we can laugh about it now, but I hesitate ever reading these verses again because the only woman in the front row, how are you feeling right now? Okay, good. All right. Oh, then I can continue. All right. So, this event of Paul going down and ministering to this young man. It brought great comfort to the believers. Now, it would to me too. And it did to me in the day I preached this passage that they had proof that the Lord was at work. Now, at our time, I wasn't convinced she was raised from the dead. But at their time, he had died. And the Lord worked through Paul an amazing miracle in the moment to give them proof that the work of Christ on earth was only beginning in the church and it was being related to them through the apostles. And you can see Luke literally recording these words for future generations as he's standing by the wayside writing all of this down for us to read today and to be greatly encouraged by. And that's how it is for us today. We don't need a prophetic word from the Lord through man. All right? I don't do this. And I hope you don't see me do this. I don't do this. And then stand here and say, this is from the Lord for you right now. I hope if I ever did that, you'd say, prove it. Prove it. That's not how it happens today. 
But for them, they were getting a word from the Lord through Paul, yet we hold the words of God for us today. We don't need a miraculous sign to have proof of the words of the Lord that I am preaching truth today. It's not that you're sitting there and saying, okay, that sounds good, now prove it. You know, go and do this, go and do that. We have miraculous words from the Lord preserved for us today. We hold the truth of God. Can you imagine, though, hearing the Apostle Paul preach? Can you imagine how captivating that must have been and clearly teaching these things? I read through that and I think to myself, I could never be Eutychus. I would have never fallen asleep with, uh, with Paul's preaching. Now, Pastor Michelle's preaching, different story. And you've proven that. No, no. no, I wouldn't say that. I would never point out anybody. But Paul? Man. I had to pause and think for a moment and ask myself, what is it that I have no trouble staying awake for? What is it that so captivates me that I would never fall asleep? You know, for some, watching a game of chess is captivating. Some are just so enamored with it and look at it and watch every move and would never fall asleep. Others, you're thinking about that going, man, I'd be asleep after the second move. For others, it's maybe sitting in a tree watching for an animal to come walking underneath so they could take a weapon and kill it. Others of you think, how could you sit there for two to three hours and not fall out of the tree stand half asleep? What captivates you, right? For some, it's holding a fishing rod and watching a bobber for hours. Kyle loves fishing. My wife does for a time, but hours? For others, it's reading a book. I got to be well rested in order to be reading. Because if I start reading and I'm tired, guess what it does to me? Puts me out. For some, it could be a boring, sappy movie. And sometimes I have like three girls at home and my wife, and they get to choose the movies. Guess what we get to be watching sometimes? Boring, sappy movies. Guess what it does to me? Puts me out. We're supposed to be watching it together. You, you might take that same person and put them under a sermon and under a pastor who is slightly more animated than a bobber or a book, and suddenly they're falling asleep. Why? What causes that? Hey, I have to ask myself the same question sometimes. But I suggest to you, it has to do with our level of engagement and interest. The Bible would call it, uh, liken it to a hunger. When we come to church, let me encourage you, just practically be well-rested if you can. I understand coming in a midweek time, Tuesday night, many of you have probably worked all day. 
and coming in physically tired. So I know I'm dealing with those who are already a little bit tired, but I'm talking about Sunday services. When you come together, make sure Saturday night you're preparing already for Sunday so you can be of optimal engagement to be rested and ready, hungering and thirsting for God's Word. But poor Eutychus. I mean, my heart does go out to him. I don't know what he was doing earlier in the day. He could have worked all day. Now he comes to church and he's sitting there at a late hour, crowded room maybe, warm, it's harder to stay awake when it's warm, candles burning, maybe using up all of the good oxygen and the good air in the room, whatever it was, he fell from the window three stories up and that's quite a fall and the Bible says he died. Now, talk about a service change. (laughs) Someone dies in the service. It's a distraction. But Paul comes down and he, he lays on him or he hugs him and the Lord raises Eutychus from that fall. Now talk about a service highlight. Going from a distraction to a highlight. Now notice the Bible doesn't mention after this that anybody else fell asleep. <laughs> the whole night. It never mentions that. I don't know if it was the case. But nobody from that point on had trouble. They were fully engaged. Can you imagine what a service that might have been? That must have been. Verse 12 says, they were not a little comforted. In other words, they were a lot comforted. For Paul, finishing well meant there's going to be an emphasis on some things. And even if it was his last day in that area, guess what he was going to be doing? He was going to be about the people of God, in the service of the Lord, doing what the Lord has entrusted him to do. He was going to continue to do these things. Paul's commitment, number two, was to exhorting one another. To exhorting one another. Let's keep following just for a moment as Paul travels. Verse 13. Acts 20, verse 13, and we went before to ship and sailed to Asos, there intending to take in Paul, for so had he appointed, minding himself to go afoot. When he had met with us at Asos, we took him in and came to Mytilene. We sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios, and the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried there at all these weird places and town names, right? Trogilium. And the next day we came to Miletus. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. So since he couldn't make it for the annual Passover, in other words, that celebration, he wanted to make it by Pentecost. And there was a great witnessing opportunity awaiting him at that time. And he knew it. So he knew, I'm going to put myself in the position with the greatest ministry opportunity. And that's what he was headed for. This only gave him about 50 days to accomplish everything that he needed to get done. Because by the time he reached Jerusalem, he knew this. It's going to cause such an uproar. And it's not going to end well. So not to waste precious time, he convenes a meeting in Miletus and he invites an area church from Ephesus to meet with him before he boards the ship and gives his final farewell. So as the meeting begins with the people from Ephesus and Miletus all gathering there before he sails, all right, Paul stands up and he begins to give them some final words of instruction in this farewell message. And you're going to notice this. It's all geared towards exhortation. But he talks in three time frames. Notice this first. He stands up with these believers before he goes, never by this way again, 
he says, let's talk about the past. Look at verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So he's having this gathering. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know, from the first day, remember back then in the past, that I came into Asia after what manner I had been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but showed unto you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, the repentance toward God and the faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that, my friends. He says, these are all the things that we did together in ministry together when I was with you. And he says, this has been my pattern from every season, from that first time until now. And he gives some descriptive words. He says, we've been in service. We've done this with humility, with passion, through trials, through transparency and sacrifice, gospel preaching. He says, that's what we've done together. Then he moves to the present. Look at verse 22. And now, behold, I go bound into the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. I, I think he has a sense of what's awaiting him there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide in me, but none of... Hey, verse 24, this is what we began with. Get the context. He says, this is where I was ministering. This is where I am right now. This is what I am determined to do right now, but none of these things move me. Neither count I, life, my, I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry, which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, he says again, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. He says, this is what I'm doing right now. I am going to Jerusalem by faith. I honestly don't know what's going to happen to me there. I have an inkling of what's going to happen to me there. But if it's been anything like the last journey I've been on, if you know anything about the book of Acts, bonds and afflictions and, and all these different things were par for the course. But considering all of those things that he's been through, and even today, he was able to say this. None of these things move me in any direction other than the one that I am going to follow the Lord in. It's not going to change my mind. It's not going to cause me to think more highly of myself. It's not going to move me from the direction of the Gospel. It's not going to cast me down. It's not going to cause me to retreat. He says, because my life is not my own. I don't count it dear unto myself. And Again, in verse number 25, he begins by saying, and... Now, at this very moment, my friends, he says, within me, I know this is the last time I'm going sh to see you. And I don't shy away from the fact that I have a burden to teach you about the Lord. The past, the present, now he talks about the future. Look at verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. Here's his exhortation for the future. Keep doing this, he says, and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, this is what's going to happen, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. 
Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, yourselves, yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring he ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What's he saying here? He says, now for the future. We've been working together, serving together. Let me give you some exhortation, some warning, some encouragement. And Paul says this, take heed to yourselves. He says, watch. He says, I warn you of the danger of wolves entering into the flock. And it will wreak havoc on the weak, on the young Christians, because they're only there to spread perverse things. That means distorted or misinterpreted things. You ever been around someone who's done that with the Word of God? The Bible says beware of those who would take the things of Scripture and distort them or misinterpret them for their own gain. Paul says, I didn't do this for my gain. You know that. I didn't ask anything from you. But there are those who will. He's doing this job of pastoring and warning of some of these things. And the pastor has that responsibility to protect the flock of God. To guard what's been entrusted to him as an under-shepherd. To safeguard the flock in regards to the teaching of God's Word. It's a big responsibility. When I think of standing up here with the Word of God and explaining the words of Scripture to people, it's a big responsibility because I know it carries with it accountability. I'm accountable to God for what I do with His Word. Then he turns to them and he talks to them about their motivation. And he's really heartfelt with them. Look at verse 36. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. As they waved goodbye to him and watched him sail away into the sunset, although sad that they wouldn't see their friend Paul anymore on earth, they were definitely full. (laughs) Paul had invested in them and exhorted them, and they were full of exhortation for the road ahead. They knew in their minds one thing. Paul wanted to finish his course well. I sometimes wonder whether they ever heard the words that were written to Timothy. Let's turn over there for a second. Where Paul shared with Timothy, I wonder whether they heard these words and they were reminded of Paul that they said farewell to when they read these words from 2 Timothy 4. And whether or not they heard these things and thought, yep, that's Paul. That's Paul, all right. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered... The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, 
there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord himself, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also, also that love his appearing. What a farewell he gave. What a testimony of faithfulness to the end. I started off by asking tonight, how many of you think you could say that? I'm done. I've done all that I can do for the Lord. I'm at the finish line. I've done all that I can do. Nobody raised their hand. So that immediately told me something. You see a road ahead. There's something that you're still anticipating to do for the Lord. You know what? That's good. That's good. See the road ahead. And as you look at the road ahead, obviously we don't know all of the details. Everything that it holds. But the decisions, like we said last night, the decisions that we make today can affect how we'll be forever remembered. So I wonder, by looking at some of these things tonight in Paul's life, if some of those same sentiments can be our prayer. When it comes to serving the Lord... Are you able to say what Paul said here? Let me give you some four instances, all right? Would you be able to say this from your heart? I have kept nothing back. I have given it my all. I have done my best. A songwriter that, I often have songs that come to my head. When I wrote these words down, this came to my head. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? When He has done so much for me. Have I kept anything back? Have I given my all? Are you able to say nothing is going to move me? For the road ahead, I know there's still, still some things that the Lord has for me. I'm not done my life yet. I'm still living and breathing. But I know this, nothing is going to move me. Nothing is going to stop me. Uh, For the rest of my life, I'm going to serve the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my strength, with all of my soul, with all of my might. Are you able to honestly pray today? God, I am completely invested. I am totally surrendered. When I wrote those words down, guess what song came to mind? (laughs) I surrender all. I want to finish my course well. Giving God the best of the rest of my days. And if truth be told, there could be some here tonight where maybe you look into your past, as Paul did. And Paul was saying, you know, from the very onset of ministry, I've done what I could. I have tried. I have tried. And maybe you look in the past and you can say, man, I messed up. I haven't done what I could. Maybe even seeing today, you're looking at the present and thinking, you know, I I am not even what I should be today. You know what, even if you're looking at your past or today, guess what can be the future? The future can be exactly what the Scripture says. Looking ahead, we can make this our prayer. Lord, may the rest of my days, the road ahead, be the best of my days in serving You. Tonight, like Paul, maybe we can make this commitment To finish well. When are you going to finish your course? Do you know? I don't know when I'm going to finish mine. 
I know of some loved ones that I've gone on before that I didn't know that was going to be their last day. They were living as if they had tomorrow, and the Lord called them home in an instant. I'm sure you've been around some others too where maybe their life you felt was cut short. You know, maybe that was the Lord's timing to call them home. When's the end of your course? None of us know. None of us know. But we can look at what we are today and what we want to be for the Lord tomorrow and we can say, Lord, I want to finish my course with joy in the ministry of the Gospel. May we forget about all the other distractions and may we keep that as our focus. Lord, may I finish my course with joy in the ministry of the Gospel. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Just before I close in prayer, I want to ask you if the Lord is leading in some way for you to pray about these things. I, I trust that you'll take a moment tonight. I'll not end this invitation. I'm going to turn this over to your pastor in just a moment. But I pray that you will take the moments that are given to you in the quietness of these moments and really do business with the Lord. Lord, may you lead us in the application of truth that we've looked at tonight. Lord, may you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please. This is our opportunity to make a decision for the Lord. We did not ask Pastor Michelle to come several hundred kilometers just for us to leave here the same as when we came. So I want to challenge you to make a decision for Christ. I think you seriously, every one of us need to ask ourselves a question, have I kept anything back? Have I done my best for Jesus? Will anything move me? Remember one of my first messages I preached at Bible Baptist Church is what will it take to stop you? Will you surrender all? so many things that we have in our lives that we don't want to surrender or will we finish well we want to give you just a minute to take some time and talk to the Lord right now and make a decision as always I challenge you to write that down date it go back so you can go back and see when you've given yourself to the Lord let's give you some time to do that right now
I hope you've taken some time to talk to the Lord tonight. The verse we often use, but so true. The harvest is white, but the laborers are few. We, many of us, as I look across the auditorium, many of us have a seat at God's table. Man, are we thankful for that. We're part of God's family. We have the blessings of God. But there's not many of us that want to work in his field. We'll partake of the good of God. And we've got our fire insurance. But man, we don't want to do anything for him. History proves over and over and over and over and over again that a life surrendered to the will of God gives such a great eternal rewards that we could never even ask or think about. We'll look at Paul's life tonight and we just think, man, he was committed to finishing well. Well, you look at George Mueller, you look at D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, Charles Spurgeon, Adoniram Judson, David Brainerd, the list could go on and on and on. And there's even, even more recent than those people. Because they just gave their life. It wasn't about them, it was about God and what he wanted to accomplish in his life. So I, I, I hope this has been a challenge to you. I hope you'll be invested in the kingdom of God. God is too good to not be invested. He's given us so much and hope that you'll give your life back to him. And no, that doesn't mean you have to quit your job. You can do that while at your job. You can be such a powerful witness at your workplace. You can be a powerful witness in your neighborhood. All opportunities. Man, I want to preach. <laughs> That's good. Thank you so much, Brother Michelle. I am so grateful for all you've done for us this weekend, for allowing the Lord to use you. It's been such a help. Um, God has been so good. And if I can just take a moment, um, God's been good in my life. And over the last year and a half, um, I've seen God work in my life in some, some crazy ways. And I'm so thankful. And I'm thankful for the staff that God has put in our church. As I was thinking, as people were giving testimonies the other night, I think each one of us had our complete and utter frustration moments. And the others, with their relationship with God, would often bring us back. I remember I was in a bad place. It was December of last year. I was in a bad place. I was frustrated extremely frustrated, and two godly men sat beside me in the sound booth and said, let's think about this. So guys, I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for God, you, you allowing God to use your lives here at Bible Baptist Church. I say that publicly because they do so much that you, you would never see, and they deserve some respect, but listen, they don't do it for this, they do it because God's working in them. And so it's the goodness of God that constantly is working here. 
And I'm so thankful for every person in here that has allowed God to use them, that's been an encouragement, that's been a help. Listen, God is working individually in our lives. And it's so wonderful when we see it and so wonderful when we get to experience it. But that's the goal. Continue to look for God every single day. Search the scriptures. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth because it's the scriptures that we need to go back to. It is the power of God unto salvation. And so I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life. I, I'll say this out loud. I am thankful for COVID. Some of you are not. And I understand that. But honestly, I'm just so thankful for what God has taught me. He has put, cut me down a peg, as my dad always used to say. And so I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for every person who's come alongside, challenged, encouraged, and done all of that. And so I'm just so thankful for that. Thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, being faithful. And if there's anything that we can do to help you in your relationship with the Lord and in what God has called you to do, please let us help you. Uh, talk to us. Let us know what's going on in your life. And let us try to get you to where you're going. We want God to use every single person in this church. All right, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for being here. You are dismissed. This cornerstone, this solid ground.